from the misty mountains of Appalachia to dimly lit back streets of suburbia, a living nightmare is lurking. A frightful bipedal werewolfian beast reported for centuries under different names. Today, it is called the Dogman. And some accounts are more horrifying than others. Particular attributes to these encounters suggest a sinister intelligence and almost demonic intent to elicit maximum terror. Who are these dark visitors? And what is their purpose? Join us on this episode of Belief Hole as we follow the unsettling patterns to track down the darker side of Dogman. Conspiracy, synchronicity, Sasquatch, homunculus, alien races, Satanism in Hollywood, MK Ultra, Tartaria. There's like a whole. I've been watching this one guy. Close like, the door, in. Jury, in. close your door. What's the uh, inner earth disagreements? Ghost Dad. <laughs> I like that movie. Dogman, Bohemian Grove, magicians are demons, specters, spirit summonings, paralysis, strange disappearances, sky whale phenomena, yes. alternative history, shadow people. Shh, quiet. I'm trying to say words with the mouth. It's getting dicey out there. Poltergeists. That's cool. Anunnaki. What is the moon? <laughs> Elf towers. I would never talk about it. That's old. Y2K. Cover-ups. Apocalyptic catastrophe. Vampire. Well, hello, hello. Well, hello, hello. Welcome to Belief Hole. My name is John. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Chris. And we are the Brothers of Belief Hole. Yes! And today is a very, very special episode. Very special. We are getting back to the dog man. It's been some time, I would say, since we've dove into the creepy waters of the dog man. Since waters? we've dug into the dirt. There you go. That's better. Although he is seen often around marshy areas. And that's a point I, I will bring up later because there's something to that watery boundary and the overlapping of worlds. Yeah, it's nice to get back to the dog man. I mean, it's one of your original topics, one of the original topics of the whole that really, I think, got us into some of the really frightening things in our world. Speaking of frightening things, there's a lot of frightening things on YouTube, like our Belief Whole YouTube channel. If you haven't been there, go check it out. And if you're on there now, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Excellent. Yes. But yes, today is going to be fascinating, I will say. And I pronounce that C because it's extra creepy today. Yeah, when we did Dogman the first time, what, like five years ago at this point, it was still a very unheard of underground sort of conversation. Yeah, back episode nine was our first Dogman story. And it's one of the reasons I, I wanted to do a podcast in the first place. I was so creeped out by the concept of the dog man at first it sounded so silly yeah just the name itself dog man i remember that oh i remember now it's become so commonplace in my mind that i'm just oh yeah dog man but back then we had a whole conversation about like well first of all the name is a problem yeah because if you name something anything man it sounds immediately silly mm -hmm. I remember going into starbucks when you worked there and walked up to the counter and one of your coworkers was like i introduced myself oh, I'm, I'm jeremy chris's brother and he's like oh you're the guy that believes a, a, a dog man <laughs> is a thing and then i had to explain why and then i convinced him that they're real but um, yeah, they live in the flat earth. Hey, now, let's not go too back. <laughs> too far back. Let's not go too back. <laughs> no, but so I really wanted to focus in this episode of The Dogman, because we've done a couple episodes with themes of sorts. We've talked about their connection with cemeteries and graveyards. That's very strange. Yeah. 
connecting to the black shuck and other kind of demon dog type figures. And the very first one we looked into the Cenocephali and reports in antiquity about dog headed men races. Yeah, races of dog headed men. And those can manifest today. I think we've talked about the cigarette smoking, trench coat wearing dog man. Oh, yeah. A classic rendition of a, of a goofier kind of appearance of a dog man. And th- those instances to me sound like sinocephali. Whether or not you pronounce it that way, some people give us criticism for that. Something that has a, a human sort of culture. Yeah, it goes back to, I think, Pliny the Elder and other writers. But that's a possible race of dogmen, the sinocephali. Essentially, human bodies walking around with, you know, dog heads on their necks, which is creepy in itself, but also could be something that may come off a little goofy at times. And Linda Godfrey has a great story about that, actually. About oh, a, really? A man who was jogging in a jogging suit. And as he got closer, the couple that saw this thing, this man coming, soon became aware that he had a dog head on his neck as he was, but it was so, they were so close to it that taking they taking the time to get some exercise. Right. But they could see it breathing as it was running towards them. Like the mouth, they could see the mouth moving. It wasn't a mask. And when this thing noticed they're kind of being put off by this, you know, jogging dog man down the, down the <laughs> track, he realized how unsettled they were. Maybe, I don't know if he was a shapeshifter or what, but obviously bothered him that they saw him and he jumped clean over like a park table and then ran into a tunnel underground. Uh, like, you know, what? a tunnel in the park kind of thing. So was he a member of the hidden race of Sinocephali? Perhaps. But today, today, I want to get back to the topic, which is, this is the creepier side, the freakish side, maybe demonic side of the dogman. Because there are ca- different categories of dogmen. These are nightmare encounters. Yeah, these would almost be considered, although very possibly corporeal and physical, there are some supernatural aspects to these kind of experiences, the freakier experiences. There's something to the pattern, the specific pattern of encounters that point to a dark, even possibly demonic reality of one type of dogman, the type that we call here, the fear eater. The nightmare feeder. These are the ones that seem to take pleasure in inflicting terror. That seems to be their purpose. And we've covered that in previous episodes. Certain attributes of this phenomena are one, instead of randomly coming upon this dogman, which can happen, some of the stories they will, Oftentimes, there's a feeling of purpose, intention, being hunted or stalked. It's there for you. It knows who you are. There's an omniscience around it. Exactly. It's creepy. Exactly. It seems that the creature's purpose itself is to inflict terror without causing harm, which is an interesting kind of paradox there. But it seems to inflict maximum terror. It seems that's what the purpose of the, the scare is, the fright, the encounter, is that is the horror of it. Like it feeds off of it, but without a physical attack, at least the ones that we hear tell about because they survive. These supernatural overtones, the lingering feeling of being watched. It knows your thoughts and can even see into your soul. These are common things. There's a feeling of evil, this presence that goes beyond an animal encounter, a bear, cougar, whatever. Obviously, it looks like a werewolf, right? So besides that fear, there is this just feeling of connection with it, a personal kind of thing. Like it know, it's here for you and it knows you. Yeah. That's why a lot of people believe that some of these encounters are evil in nature. This unreasonable fear that it elicits in you, it's a revisiting trauma that the victim will have. They're, they're haunted by it. Days, weeks, years, 35 years in one story we have where it haunts them and it, they can't talk about it without getting emotional. It's a trauma. It's a lingering trauma for these people, which to me, I mean, when I hear stories like that and you actually hear their voice, which you will hear shortly here, that's what sold it for me. Also, I get, and I feel like we've talked about this before, but when you have something so terrifying happen to you, or even, I, I mean, a, a, I guess a, a simpler example would be like a nightmare, but something so, let's say in real life happens to you that's so terrifying, 
and you don't want to talk about it. We've talked about this before mm-hmm. because you feel like when you discuss that, there's something that's, that tells you almost like, if I talk about this, it's going to bring it back. I can feel that yeah. feeling, you know, like I don't want to mention it. I mean, for, for me, it's, I haven't seen anything that terrifying physically in my life. Well, except for that shadow person experience. But other than that, it's like a nightmare where you have it and you're like, you don't even want to tell someone about your mm-hmm. nightmare if it's still early morning hours. Or cringe moments, like when you push your girlfriend in front of you on the street because someone's running <laughs> towards you. Gosh, tell rain. that story. <laughs> I've told it before. I don't need to be embarrassed again. <laughs> well, you're afraid someone's coming at you guys. Anyways, you don't want to tell I don't remember that. <laughs> you remember this. Instinctively. Maybe I blocked it out because I was so embarrassed for I you. was a child. <laughs> Oh, I was okay. a teenager. I was thinking your last girlfriend. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was a strong man by then. But when I was a teen, <laughs> when I was a teen, there was a time where I was walking down the street. You're walking down the canal, right? Nighttime, yeah. spooky evening. This uh, girl I was dating, um, my first girlfriend. So, you know, I was just learning. and Learning how to <laughs> use her as a shield. <laughs> it was late at night. We were walking down the street. It was raining. And we must have watched a scary movie or something. I was creeped out already for some reason. At least that's my defense. And I was holding an umbrella and we were walking in the rain and someone was running up the street and I just heard this noise. I don't know why I was so freaked Your out, instincts but I grabbed in. her and put her in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> she, I'm not proud so to admit it, but since then I have completely reversed course. I think because of that trauma now, I just, I put well, myself, we'll see I put myself in harm's way, even when I don't have to for strangers. He's, he's I'm a hero. a hero now. And I actually, I am a hero and I won't tell that story because I'm, I'm a true hero and I don't talk about myself. But. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, I'll just say burning car, an old man. That's a good story. But anyway, why do we say that? Oh yes, the trauma that lingers. And, and as far as the evil, the evil intention, you can have an experience and it, your fear can paint it a certain way. You can paint the intention of someone else or something else. So some encounters maybe proceed with an evil intent or malice, but it's not necessarily the case. You have to decide. Listen to these stories, listen to the encounters, and tell us what you guys think. Now this first experience that I want to recount here that will play for you actually, this is a clip. This clip is the first story I ever heard that got me interested in this dogman encounter phenomena. This goes back to episode nine. We played this clip a little longer and we talked about it more in length. If you guys want to hear that, join the expansion. It's in the archive season one. And this full encounter, I'll recommend you go listen to. It's maybe a couple hours long and it's all really good to listen to. The full encounter is a couple hours long? The The full original recording, the interview. Oh, really? Yeah. I edited this down like crazy. To get to kind of the so there's of way more to it than this part. I mean, it's the whole setup. He's a very detailed in his description. What else could have taken that long? He talks about the region oh, okay. where this happens. He talks about the muscle car that he, he's driving at the time. Yeah, it provides a lot of context that I think. But is really it, it just builds up to that one sighting. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then there's follow up like how this affected you afterwards, years okay. later. Why he didn't tell the story for 35 years. I gotcha. Anyways, so you guys can go check out. This originally comes from Dogman Encounters, the channel that six, seven years ago, whenever it was, I would listen to going to bed every night once I found the first story. Vic Cundiff? Vic Cundiff. Yeah. Dogman Encounters. I'm sure most of you out there have heard of it. This was an early story from years ago. And when I heard it, it definitely hooked me. And I want to present it today because it is at least a, a small clip of it that we've edited down for time, but go listen to the original. We'll link it in the show notes. The full interview is really, really good. I just love this guy because he sounds so genuine, so authentic, and so traumatized. 35 years later, this guy didn't tell his wife, his family. No one knew about it, even to the time of this recording when he was interviewed in Dogman Encounters. He had never told the story in 35 years because, well, one, who's going to believe you? And two, the terror that he had lived with. He wouldn't go down that road. And I think he still lives in the area, but it affected him so badly. And he'd never watched horror movies growing up, was never into that stuff. He didn't watch Dog Soldiers? Didn't watch Dog Soldiers. Great film. So there's all these details in the full interview that we don't have time for here. So go check it out. But for the setup of this story, The area where this takes place is called Wagner Hollow Road. It runs about 20 to 25 miles long. It begins in Southwest Virginia and passes through Tennessee. 
But this occurrence happened on the Virginia side of Wagner Hollow Road in this area. It's, so it's like a kind of a narrow valley and it's surrounded by fields, farm fields on both sides that can run for several hundred yards, these fields. So you got a good view in some areas where it's more of a valley and less like a deep holler where you can, on a bright moonlit night like tonight, the night of the story, you can see clear in the field. And that's, that was his visibility. He could see things coming. He saw this thing coming while he was driving down the road. And it was horrifying. And there's a key thing to this story, just like all these stories that have a kernels of truth in it. There isn't like, there's a werewolf coming at me. There's, I see something. My brain can't make out what it is. That's not a, is that a bear? That's not a bear. Is that a man? A man can't run 60 miles an hour. What it, so your brain's trying to make out what this is. And that's part of the horror of it. Cause it just doesn't make sense in your mind. And it isn't until a few seconds in in close contact when you figure out what it is. 30 miles an hour. Last thing I wanted to mention about this area is it's heavily wooded from this area, from the Cumberland Gap into Kentucky. I don't know the area, so I'm not exactly sure what that means, but essentially many, many, many miles of just wooded terrain like this. Plenty of places for things to hide. And then you have these spotted kind of farm fields. So just an interesting environment where you might see something pop in and out. I'd like to go here. But at the same time, after hearing a story, yeah. I might not. Yeah, it's important to mention here, I think, is just the fact that the recent episode we were talking about, we were kind of making fun of Jeremy a little bit because he said if he were to hope to see it, something paranormal, it would be a dog man. Right. He said after revisiting the story that initially got him into this, he remembered how terrifying a real experience I did. would be. Yeah, I heard his voice and I was like, I forgot how traumatizing this actually is for people because I haven't listened to these stories in a while. But let's play this clip and you guys can tell us what you think. And, you know, this thing keeps drawing closer and closer to me. And I just can't make out what this thing is. It don't look like anything that I've ever seen. It gets close to the barbed wire fence on the right-hand side. And I think, well, maybe it's going to slow down or, or maybe it'll veer off where it won't run into that barbed wire and it'll turn aside out of my way. But it didn't do that. Instead of doing that, this thing sped up. And instead of turning aside, it jumped right over the fence. And it landed on my side of the fence, in between the ditch line and the fence. And then it took another bound. And the next thing I know, this thing is out in the road. I mean, it's right next to my vehicle. And it scared me so bad that I instinctually, I just jerked the wheel to the left and went over as far as I dared into the left-hand lane. And this thing, it started running right along beside of me. I had carry bomb mufflers on that car, and if you know what they're like, they're loud. But yet, at the same time, I could hear the nails of this thing, the toenails, click, 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 clacking on the road as it ran along beside me. And I could, man, I could see it good now. I really didn't want to look at its face. I really didn't want to see its face, but I couldn't help it. it it's just like I couldn't help myself. I had to. And, I mean, this thing was tall. It had to be at least seven feet tall. It towered over the top of my car. And it was running along beside me. It couldn't have been more than five or six feet off the passenger side of my car. Just, I mean, right even with my passenger side window. I could see it just as clear as day. And, and I know that if it wanted to, this thing could have reached right in my car window. And right over to the driver's side from the passenger side, and this thing could have grabbed me, and it could have drugged me right out of the car. If it wanted to, it could have just ripped my head off, or it could have leaned in in my car window, and it could have bit my head off. I don't know. I know it could have, and I wanted to get out of there, but I didn't dare because I was in this steep curve, and I knew that if I hit the gas, this car probably wasn't going to be able to handle the curve, and it was going to run off in the ditch, and I was going to wreck. 
and I was going to be there alone with this thing, and I was going to be at its mercy. And for a little while, it just ran along beside me and just didn't pay me any attention. But that didn't last. Just slowly, seemed like just seemed like it took forever, but just slowly, it started to turn its head, and it, and it looked at me. Couldn't help it. I looked full in its eyes. I wish that I hadn't. I wish I'd never seen it. I wish I could erase the picture of what I saw from my mind, but I can't. This thing had great big black eyes. All I could see was black, and, and then they just looked as black to me as a bottomless pit. They, they just seemed soulless to me. And, and I, just, I just had a sense of, of evil that came over me. And this thing, when it looked at me, it was like that it could look through me and look to my very soul. And, and, and like I said, I just felt like I had been touched by evil. I don't know how else to explain it. And there was such a fear. And I wanted to scream or to holler out or do something. But it just seemed like my mouth just dried up like cotton and there wasn't a sound that would come out. And I wanted to get out of there. I wanted to get away from this thing, but I couldn't because I was afraid I was going to wreck. And then it came closer, and it leaned down. It leaned in. And, and, and mind you, this thing is running beside my car the whole time. And it stuck its head in my window, and it grabbed hold of my door with its right hand. And, and, and that, I don't know how to describe it as other than that. It, it, it was a hand, this thing had huge hands, and it had long black nails, maybe about three inches long, two or three inches long, long black thick nails, and this thing put its right hand on my door, and I, and I could hear it. it. It put its left hand on, on my doorknob, and it was jerking at my door, and it was jiggling my door handle, but this thing was leaning in my window, and it was looking right at me. And it, it, I mean, it, it seemed like that it curled its lips back. And, and I, I know it's not all at me, but I, I don't really remember hearing it. All I could hear was the sound of my engine and the sound of its toenails as it ran along beside my vehicle going clack, 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 clack on, on the pavement. And it breathed on me. It seemed like I could smell blood and, and maybe decaying flesh as it breathed on me. It was horrible. And, oh, I thought I was dead. I thought this was the end of me. I thought I was a goner. I thought I was a dead man for sure. At just about that time, the curve ended, and, and, and I came into a straightaway. And I just hit the gas and, and pushed it to the floor. And I took out of there. I took my eyes off of it, and I looked ahead. And out of the corner of my eye, I saw, saw it lose a grip on my car door, and I saw it smell uh, rake across the top of my door. And its head disappeared from my window. And as I drove away from it, as I pulled away from it, I looked in my rear view mirror, and I could see it getting smaller and smaller as it began to slow down. And the last thing I remember, the last thing that I saw, this thing veered off to the right again and jumped over the fence and disappeared into that field. I've never been so scared in all of my life. I mean, it was just absolutely horrifying. Yikes. There's something about the sound of his voice. Yeah, definitely. The emotion. Just the, the way his voice goes from recalling, you can hear him kind of remembering, mm -hmm. to trembling trauma, fear, terror, like just reliving it and being on the verge of tears, mm -hmm. it sounds like. And it's um, fascinating because in the whole interview, he goes on to say how, you know, he didn't tell his wife about this. He didn't tell his kids. He didn't tell 
Oh yeah. At the time he was a younger man at the time said for 25, 30 years, he didn't tell a single soul about this. 35 years. Yeah. Until he recorded that with, and he I remained anonymous. So also I found it interesting that the scratches on his car, his dad, I think it was asked him where those came from. And he told him he ran off the road into like a thorn bush, some kind of thorn bush. And then shortly after that, he said, he's like, I love that car. He went on at length about the car before, yeah. before this part of the interview. And, uh, he said he sold that car immediately after for a Chevy Nova. Because he couldn't handle it? Because it bothered him so much. He was so affected That's by it. That's true trauma. Yeah, you didn't want anything to do with it anymore. And it's just, I heard that story and I was like, okay, maybe there is something to this. If this is just one person, and think of all the people that don't tell, like he didn't tell for 35 years. How many people have experiences like this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And are just like either afraid of being ridiculed, which happens. Well, we've talked about this before, but I mean, to say you've seen, especially before the dogman phenomenon was, I think, more widely accepted in certain circles, like our circle and whatnot. To tell someone you've seen a werewolf, because that's what you would say, right? No, there's no term right. for it. So, I mean, how many people are going to come out with it? Bigfoot's been accepted, you know, in mainstream yeah. pop culture for, you know, at least 30, 40 Some years at 60s, this point. Yeah. But the werewolf, like, I mean, that's that's a different yeah. beast. It's like saying you saw a vampire. Yeah. Right. But with places like, you know, a Dogman Encounters radio and um, the, what's the other one? The North American Dogman Project, where people mm-hmm. are submitting a lot more, more of these stories and sharing, and our audience too sharing, there's more people that are coming out not afraid to be called a lunatic. Right. Which is an interesting term to use because Luna relates to the moon, which is, you know, the whole wolf lore around lunatics. Right. Full moon crazies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Popped into my head. Yeah. Creepy. Well, I hope he's doing better. John, do you believe? I definitely think he had an experience. I mean, it's definitely hard not to believe him. Yeah. I mean, when I first heard about the dog, man, I thought it was ridiculous, obviously, but. I think most people do. I mean, I still think um, everything we talk about is ridiculous, but. <laughs> it's weird how many people I mean I don't I'm joking about that but even like the things like the disembodied hand it's just so right. strange how many people have had the experience yeah. it just sounds like a prop at a Halloween story yeah I mean then some of these things you know like werewolves the idea of the wolf man you know maybe become tropes and legends because they're, I mean we, like we mentioned going back to the Greeks and I mean there are multiple references in the history of the sinocephalus. oh yeah but then you have the transformation into the more wolf-like monster. I mean, monster, how many cultures around the, the world talk about transforming into wolves and different, you know, whether it's- uh, Animals in general, shape-shifting, you know, skinwalker. Yeah, from hunter-gatherer cultures to, you know, more advanced civilizations that were the, you know, we call out these things myths now. Right. But there are people that believe in them for real in yeah. the time where they were living. I mean, it is really is one of those things where you have to, like, I believe people. I believe a lot of these people have had real experiences and I believe what they're saying and with the corroboration, not of the, everybody. I mean, you got to have some no, I'm skepticism, just saying, but yeah, in general. And with the corroboration of different patterns, it seems very plausible. I, I'm not saying I believe 100% because I don't believe you can know anything for sure. That's why I'm so hungry to have an experience, but I'm reminded after, yeah, this story about what that trauma might be like. I don't know, years to come. I still would like to have some kind of something. Just not dog, man. Probably not, unless he's very far. No, Maybe no. if I see him from a helicopter, <laughs> just going over you can top. wave at him. <laughs> yeah, I'm up here, and then he jumps. Yeah, and if and you he, can tease him. <laughs> it's not a good idea. <laughs> but they can jump like 200 feet in the air. So. Three or three or 400. Yeah, that's what I've heard. 100% true. I was going to say, if, if you are interested in checking out the more in-depth research historical side of, of the dog man, check out our other episodes. The first one we did, well, I forgot the title of this, Dog Man, Werewolves, and Beyonce Sex Magic Allegations. Isn't that in the first? It's in the very first season. So that was the very first one oh, so we covered yeah, Dogman. Behind, behind the paywall. We got into the Cenocephali, went pretty deep into that. And then the second one we did was called, this was season two. So Dogman and Fear Eaters, Windows to Other Worlds. Did we not, we've not done some, one since season two? Oh, maybe not. Like we, a deep dive? 
Maybe not. Either way, check those out. They're packed full of more stories. And we'll link them in the show notes. Really interesting corroboration through history. Well, what's next? What would you like to hear? It's too Alberta sighting. You need Alberta sighting? Yeah. Yeah, this, this sighting is really interesting. And this comes from the North American Dogman Project. They have a, a great resource. It's a map. And you can see the locations of where all these different encounters occurred. Any in Ohio? Oh, yeah. I've got a few from Ohio. Where at? Actually, there's a bunch in Ohio. I was surprised. There's one we're not going to cover here because there's not a full story with it, but there's images on their website, North American Dogman Project, of a, a alleged dogman seen in a cemetery in Akron. Really? Yeah. They have a photograph of it? Yeah, maybe we can do some, some video reviews sometime. I wonder if it's near the um, Cuyahoga Falls area. Yeah. Because that is kind of close to Akron, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isn't it's that in Akron? Top. I mean, people out from out of Ohio would consider that Akron probably. And it's it's a very mountainous. Yeah, it's definitely, you could see it happening there. And there's a lot of protected land there with the Cuyahoga Valley National Park. Very hilly and mm-hmm. yeah. caves. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's where they hide. That's the idea. Blue herons. Yeah, this is called, I titled this, um, Beware the Horse Eater. Now the setup to this story is the person who's recording this account, someone at the North American Dogman Project, was at a sportsman's show in Alberta and had been talking about Sasquatch with some people. And at that point, a girl comes up to him and is like, hey, my dad saw a werewolf. He doesn't want to tell you. And then they go over to the dad and dad's like, what did you say? Like, he doesn't want to, yeah. he doesn't want the story to be shared because he's like, who's this person who's going to think I'm crazy? And then the guy was like, well, I do this for a living. I collect strange stories and you're not alone. Even here in Canada, there's been reports of this. So then he goes on to tell the story that happened on their farm in the mid 1990s. This is, so this is a man who collected the stories telling the story here. I believe so. And this happened in Deadwood, Alberta, Canada. The witness lives on a sizable piece of land near Deadwood, Alberta. He raises, boards, and breeds horses for a living. One night in early August of 1996, the witness was awoken by the sounds of panicked horses. He said that they sounded as if they were being or were going to be attacked by something. He grabbed a 250,000 candle power spotlight and a 20 gauge shotgun and headed out towards the sounds. It should also be noted that his dog refused to leave the house with him. This was very unusual as the dog is trained for running off animals that may attempt to harm the horses. As he approached a corral where several Shetland ponies were being kept, he spotted movement. He clicked on his spotlight and played the beam over the area. When the beam passed over a corner section of the corral, he spotted what he thought was a large timber wolf. This surprised him, as he had never had problems with wolves before. Still, this wolf was making itself a problem. So he shouted, Hey, ha, get the hell out of here. What happened next shocked and stunned him. The wolf spun towards him and stood up on its hind legs. He estimated that the creature's height was between 6.5 to 7 feet. The color was jet black, and the eye shine was said to be greenish yellow. He immediately pointed the shotgun at it and pulled back both hammers. When he did, this creature began to emit a growling sound, vocalization, that the witness described as a, quote, steady and somewhat guttural growling. He remembers whispering to himself, Oh my God, this isn't possible. Over and over again. As he was doing this, the creature started to go into a crouch. The witness took this to mean that the creature was going to lunge at him 
so he fired the shotgun in its direction. The creature dropped onto all fours and bolted. Faster than he thought possible for an animal to move into the forest. After the creature moved out of view, the witness began to get a very uncomfortable feeling, like he was being watched. What he described as an unreasonable fear came over him, and he fled towards his home as fast as he could move. He considered calling the police, but soon canceled that thought. What would he tell them? That he had just fired at a werewolf? No. He kept this to himself, only telling his daughter when she was in her late teens. The witness seriously thought that this creature was a werewolf, as he had nothing else to compare it to. He said he lived in worry, if not fear, for a number of years afterwards, wondering if it was going to pay him another visit. His biggest worry was that it may harm his wife and daughter. The creature was never sighted again by the witness, and no other similar reports surfaced. Terrifying. Yeah, there it is again, that f lingering fear. Irrational fear that this thing's gonna come back for you and your family. Yeah. So the guy asked him too, like, well, could this have been a person in a costume? Mm-hmm. First of all, six and a half, seven I mean, feet. You'd have to be dumb to do that in a farmer's... That's what he said. He's like, in the area I live, you'd get shot. Yeah. Beyond like, that, this thing was... Seven feet tall? It looked way too natural. And the speed that it moved, there's no yeah. way. Plus, yeah, you'd get shot. Didn't he say it was like six, six and a half, seven feet tall? Yeah. I mean, who's going to go out in the middle of the night, even let's say, what, somebody, someone's barn? Like yeah. it's this guy's buddy, but then he never tells him about it. Who's going to be doing that? Well, yeah. And you got to know in these like remote areas where there's, you're going to get shot. That's not something you play a prank no, on. No, no, no. You're messing with people's horses and land. Yeah. yeah. Those people take that seriously. And you can tell too. I mean, there is in, actually in this great book by Linda Godfrey, The Real Wolfman, we'll link that in the show notes, um, where I have a couple of these stories. God rest her soul. Yeah, she was a great researcher and I miss her. It would have been great to have her on the show. But she interviews at the end of her book, a member of the anthro community, also known as furries. I was just going to say, that's who's in the barn. And one of the questions she asked, because you know some of them identify as Therians or as people that have, and if any of you out there are furries and I'm getting this wrong, apparently it's a very specific subculture of people that there's a lot of, I think, intensity inside the community of like how to be I'm called sure. what they are and represent. Anyways, not to get into that, but she did ask that question like, how do you feel about because apparently there are some people in the community that hoax. But I mean, the argument, of course, is like, you're wearing a baggy, yeah. furry suit. I don't think these people probably look super threatening. Well, I mean, the outfits <laughs> usually are baggy, you know, and yeah. the heads are more like cartoonish in a sense. And yeah. I feel like it's, I don't know. Like I don't, anime animals. Yeah. I think we can just go ahead and scratch that one off the list. I did see a guy who spent, this is a very rare case, but it was a man who was like an engineer and he spent thousands and thousands of dollars building realistic, I think it was a sheep outfit. That like on all oh, fours. Yeah. I forget where this. It's oh, Forty in Times. I think I saw Labrador. This. Was, was it a Lab gold, Golden Retriever? Oh no, it wasn't Golden Retriever. It was a collie. It's like a giant version of that. Yeah, he hired someone to sculpt things a certain way to make it like all the muscle tissue correct. But I mean, this is not a in furry subculture. I'm sure they're not spending hiring engineers to build the outfits. It's yeah. about the community and the. I'm gonna go with Dogman. Anyways, that was a little side thought, but um, just to say that hoaxing is is dangerous. Like yeah. you said, John, yeah. you're going to get shot, especially if you're on someone's property Whoa, like that. Yeah, like a farmer. Yeah. Or like, you know, people with, uh, like, what are those things called? Like <laughs> animals? <laughs> Livestock. <laughs> what are those things called? <laughs> I didn't want to say cattle because those are horses. Livestock? Yeah. It's their livelihood. Equestriaries. Speaking of Ohio, John, I think you wanted to hear a story close to home. Oh, by the way, our thoughts and prayers go out to everyone in East Palestine, Ohio. Oh, yeah. Yeah, talk about a crazy situation. Yeah, only 80 miles from us here. 
Hope everybody's going to be okay. There's some all kinds of theories and craziness that goes on with that. I haven't even had a chance to really follow it too much since just getting ready for the show. I think the weirdest thing is there was a movie out about it it's called bizarre. White Noise on Netflix that pr- depicted the exact same event. It's Adam Driver. It just came out too. In Ohio, train derailment. They have to flee. Toxic explosion. For those of you who haven't heard, there is a train that derailed carrying toxic chemicals that derailed in East Palestine, Ohio. What, like a week ago? Longer than By that. The time I think this it's comes February out. 4th. Oh, really? Yeah. Same, is that the same day we shot down the Chinese balloon? Oh, right? wait, maybe... Oh, it's February 3rd. Anyways, supposedly in order to keep the tanker cars from exploding, the shrapnel everywhere, they did a controlled explosion because the train was heating up, I guess, Mm -hmm. from what I understand. They did a controlled burn that created this massive, basically mushroom cloud of toxic chemicals and gases and released into the atmosphere and in the Ohio River. People around there had to evacuate the town. People are are said that they can go back. The officials told them they can go back, but they're finding all these fish that have died and animals and everyone's really creeped out and scared for their families. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyways, if you guys are out there since, you know, we're from Ohio too. Prayers and love to you. So this story goes out to you. This is, takes place in Ohio, Scioto County, if that's how you pronounce it. This occurred March 10th, 2005. And this is called, We Stopped Going to the Cabin. And this comes from the North American Dogman Project. Okay, this took a lot of courage because I've been ridiculed so much for what happened to me. My grandfather owned a cabin, but I'm not disclosing the location of it because I don't want anything to happen to anyone. Anyway, my grandfather's cabin was his way of getting the family together for the holidays so he could have a nice Sunday dinner with all of us. But one day, all of a sudden, that all stopped. He wouldn't allow anyone but himself to visit the cabin, the cabin that we all looked forward to going to and cherished. For years, I would ask him why he was doing that. He never told me why, but when he passed, he left the place to me. I inherited the cabin of my childhood and was ecstatic about that. It was soon after that, I realized why he did what he did. I would go out and walk the woods on game trails, which are everywhere. I know these woods like I know my own home, so I never had any reason to fear them. It was on one of those walks that I encountered what people call dogmen. I was walking just like any other time. Nothing was different. It was then on one of the game trails I noticed an offshoot, a small trail that went only about six to seven feet back. I could see that something had bedded down there. I thought it was a deer. I then walked in the bedded area. I soon realized that this was an ambush point for whatever made this bedded area, and it was massive. The hairs on my arm stood erect, and a chill literally ran down my spine. I felt as if I was being watched from different vantage points. Since it was nighttime, I had a tracking flashlight in my sidearm, the latter of which I drew and kept at the ready. I genuinely feared for my life at this point. All of a sudden, An ungodly growl was made at my right, about 10 to 15 yards from me. I pissed myself. It was so terrifying. I didn't immediately run, fearing that whatever it was might take me as threatening. I turned and started heading back on the main trail, and when I was about five minutes from the back door of my cabin, this thing let out a howl that I swear felt like it went right through my body. Then I ran. As soon as I did, this thing was chasing me. For every five steps I took, this thing was taking one. That's how fast this thing was. I heard the sounds of branches being ripped off the trees, and I could have sworn I felt the vibrations of it running after me. 
I barely made it to my cabin and slammed the door, locking the deadbolts and chain lock. I then turned on my spotlight and shined it into the tree line. There were three sets of eyes in the tree line that shined vivid yellow with enormous black pupils. I felt as if the thing could read my mind, but I'm not sure it could. All I know is that I'm alive and have since heard them many times. But I don't take night hikes anymore and haven't for years. No more night hikes. Interesting. This always makes me think of the the aspect of these things where it's, and we've talked about this before, even before we look deeper into this, how the stories seem to suggest that it can't really hurt you. Yeah. That there is this, like, obviously this thing could bust open the cabin, you know? Right. And in so many stories, it could have opened the car door, could have- Oh, could have reached and tore that guy's head off in the, our first why story. Why not? You know, like, why does it not do this? Is there some kind of rule? Is the purpose not, in fact, to kill someone, but to feed on the, the fear, the terror, like we've talked about? I just had this, found this interesting thing. We have this great book from the 70s called The Encyclopedia of Fairies by Catherine Briggs. And fairies, of course, can incorporate all kinds of entities, supernatural entities. We did the church grim actually on a relatively recent episode, the Kirk Grimm. Yeah. That's a whole interesting tradition. The black dog that protects graveyards. So I'm just going to read this quick little thing because it connects to this in a really interesting way, I think. So Grimm, this comes from the encyclopedia, a venerable name among the goblins known internationally in the Fossegrim of Norway and the Swedish Kirk Grimm, which we've talked about, who is the same as our church Grimm in England. It was at one time a byname for Odin and later for the devil. Jabez Allies, list of the fairies, it's another author from years and years and years ago, cites many place names that begin with the Grimm. The church Grimm usually took form of a black dog, and the fairy Grimm in the life of Robin Goodfellow sometimes assumed that form. And this is what I want to read from here. First printed before 1588, so this goes ways, way back, Robin Goodfellow being a puck sort of concept. Um, this edition is translated from 1628. And I'm going to try to read this in Middle English a little bit. So kind of Canterbury uh -huh. Tales. I'm, going to, I'm not. Good luck. Never studied this. I heard <laughs> someone do it once in AP English. So I'll try to remember how he did so it. So in, in your comparison here, this would be, from our words, the grim or a dogman talking. Right. A shape-shifting, something that is there to eat your fear. And it's out in the world, not to kill you, but to find you, hunt you down, and take your fear and eat it with its fellow fairies. And still you with trauma so that it can continue to feed on exactly. the Exactly. I wonder if like, that one guy at the beginning, the cherry bomb guy. Yeah. Like if you terrorize someone so badly, I wonder if the dog man shows up in astral form and continues yeah, yeah. to feed. Oh, the dream, the following dreams and nightmares that mm -hmm. guy had him regularly. People experience that all the time. It's, it stays with you and, right. yeah, and then it can continue to feed it. That's a good point. In the astral plane. That's a creepy thought. This yeah. is the crux of the question. We talk about this all the time, but the paranormal parasite concept and how many of these things are interlinked or maybe all sort of the same undulating ultra terrestrial force that's feeding off people and they just take different forms at different times, different places. The fox spirit, the trickster spirit. Right? right. Or are they separate entities, but all live in this sort of function of reality that is separate from our dimension and feeds on everybody. No offense to those people that feel like they're real creatures and they, they're friendly. Like there are people that kind of look at dogmen that way. Like they're just kind of like they're wolf kin. They're friendly beings that are just like, yeah. they just don't want to be bothered. Like well, these are obviously too. not those sorts of dogs. These stories, yeah, these are from a different kind. I mean, it's the same way with, you know, the black shuck, black dog phenomenon in general, depending on where you are or even what kind, like in Appalachia, there's, you know, the black dog is a representation of death, but it also can be a guide or a protector to walk you home with countless stories around the world about that. Anyway, I'm going to read this real quick. And just, I would just want you to imagine that this is a dog man having conversation with you and really just kind of confessing 
his joy. Gardera. Terrorizing. Gardera. Oh, God, it's Gardera. Gardera. The corrected on that. Check that episode out. That was a fantastic story on the hill near the, I believe it was like a Catholic school or something. St. Coletta School for Exceptional Children. Something like that. That was a terrifying Linda story. Linda Godfrey's story. That was in season two, our Dogman episode in that season. Okay, here we go. You ready? It's going to sound a little weird because I'm going to read it kind of Canterbury, but then give us a little Dogman gruff. I'll give a little Dogman gruff. <clears throat> I walk with the owl and make many cry as loud as she doth hollow. Sometimes I do affright many simple people, for which some have termed me the black dog of Newgate. At the meetings of young men and maids, I many times am, and when they are in the midst of their good cheer, I come in in some fearful shape, and affright them, and then carry away their good cheer, and eat it. With my fellow fairies. You're scaring me a little bit. Can you? Tis I that do, like a screech owl, cry at sick men's widows, and make them hearers so fearful that they say that the sick person cannot live. Many other ways have I to fright the simple, but the understanding man I cannot move to fear, because he knows that I have no power to do hurt. My nightly business have I told. To play these tricks I use of old. When candles burn, both blue and dim, all focus will say he is very grim. Oh, that was creepy. That was pretty good. <laughs> it felt like a different uh, entity when I was reading it. It did sound like a certain actor. Couldn't put my finger you know, on it. No, it reminded me of the Clopet guy from the Burbs on some of the ends of some of those words. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Where are you going, Pinocchio? <laughs> it's my attempt at Middle English Dogman. That was good. Yeah. I felt like I was in that, but in you that don't character. Fool me. That was the guy. But you don't fool me. <laughs> Such a good scene. The verbs, check it out. Uh, yeah, that was really creepy. I think that really important point of that, and John, we talked about this all the time, is the, uh, the giving over of your will or your fear. What is, was that mm-hmm. line? Just can you say that in, in American English? Uh, yeah. Oh, about the man. Yeah. can't hurt the man. So that line was... Um, yeah, I like that too. That's what stuck out to me in relation to this episode. Okay. Many other ways have I to fright the simple, but the understanding man I cannot move to fear because he knows that I have no power to do hurt. Yeah, that's so interesting because there are so many stories where these things come at you and then right when they get close, mm-hmm. they veer off. They draw back. Yeah, they just come to get the fear. And they, but if you're not afraid because you know they can't hurt you, I mean, that's like everything. Don't give them your fear, you know, starve your ghouls. Mm-hmm. It's funny that that's such a, yeah. And it relates to, you know, not, we're using it here in the Dogman persona, of course, right. and because it's mentioned with the Kirker and the Black Dog, but it's also, and this is a, a puck sort of concept or um, trickster, you know, pan. Right. Like this all kind of ties in together. We've, t- we've talked about before in these episodes, but yeah, just, uh, I just love that writing of that because it is so perfect. Yeah. For that, that perspective. Good find, Chris. I like it. Let's do another story, if you like. Yes. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah, this one is interesting. Yeah, these are reports uh, that are submitted to the North American Dogman Project. They seem to keep them anonymous. A lot of people request to be anonymous, so they're not seeking fame or attention. I just find that interesting. That's commendable. I mean, it, it definitely gives it more... Um, a little more credibility. Yeah, in my mind. Uh, this, this one was an interesting story. Just the subtlety of it, it seems like an experience that any of us could have had as a young person living anywhere in this case it takes place in ironwood michigan yes well very nearby michigan dogman uh-huh and brian and dina shout yes. out yes um, shout out to friends but yeah north american dogman project 
were you going to mention, by the way, that, the, that we're able to find these conveniently because Timothy Renner scraped the database? Yeah, there's a, we'll put a link in the show notes. There's a database that author and podcaster Timothy Renner, great researcher. Uh, we have some of his books actually that are really good. Um, he, he scraped the database, all the reports of the Google Maps feature on North American Dogman Project for all these different accounts in different locations. He used a tool to scrape it. So basically you can search via text for keywords and help corroborate different stories. In this case, I use the word fear because I was looking for stories that elicited that kind of response from yeah. people that specifically seemed almost demonic or dark. So yeah, it was a great tool. We'll look at the show notes. Thanks, Timothy, for that. Yeah, and definitely check out his podcast, Strange Familiars. Uh, absolutely. So yes, this is called, or retitled it anyway, It Was So Wrong. My sighting occurred sometime in the winter of 1992 when I was 10 years old. I've always been an insomniac and would often be up in the middle of the night. This was the case on the night in question. I was in my bedroom, looking out the window on the ground floor of my childhood home. When I looked across the street, my eyes landed on something that paralyzed me with fascination. Leaning against the big tree in my neighbor's yard was a massive gray bipedal dog or wolf with huge muscular arms sniffing the air. He was just standing there, sniffing the air. The image has been burned into my mind ever since. The way the steam of his breath swirled out of his nose as he craned his neck from side to side. The way the snow stuck to his gray bristling fur and the way his ears twitched. At first, I told myself that it was just a big dog leaning on a tree. I couldn't accept what my brain was screaming to me. There was this crazy feeling I had. I don't know how to explain it. I still feel it when I think about it or talk about it. It deeply disturbed me, and I swear it knew I was watching it through the edge of my curtain. I don't know how I know that, I just do. It never looked directly at me. It had sort of glanced in the direction of my house but I swear it knew I was watching it. It didn't seem to mind. It seemed to be pleased with the strange mixture of sinking fear, confusion, denial, and awe that I was experiencing. Again, I don't know how I know that. I just do. What happened next dispelled all my denial. It sort of swung itself off the tree, and instead of dropping down to all fours, as one would expect a huge dog to do, it remained standing on its two legs slightly hunched, and it began to walk through the deep snow in the most unnatural way. I don't even know how to describe it other than unnatural. It was just so wrong. The way it walked, for some reason, was the most terrifying aspect of this whole encounter to me. It just sort of lumbered off behind the houses, across the street, and out of sight. I didn't speak of this encounter for nearly 20 years after it happened. I had never heard anyone else speak of it locally in Ironwood, or anywhere else for that matter, and I just chalked it up to being another one of the absolutely insane things I have seen in my life that I never speak of and that makes me question my sanity. Then one night, while listening to Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis, he was talking about the Michigan Dogman. My head almost exploded. I couldn't believe it. Other people had seen this thing? I finally broke my silence and told my wife about it. It was sort of an epiphany I had in that moment. I no longer keep my strange experiences to myself anymore. I told everyone who I felt would be even slightly receptive to the idea of the paranormal about them. In my mind, I imagined how long I kept these strange secrets to myself for fear of being seen as a lunatic, and how even I thought I was probably insane, and wondered how many other people are out there 
walking around with similar experiences and similar self-doubt, just waiting for someone to come along and share the strange tale that allows them to give themselves permission to speak freely about these things that they have kept locked inside as I had. It's shocking how many people, once you tell them a story like this, have a story of some high strangeness of their own. I'm so happy that the site exists. Yeah, there's that sentiment again of, I must be crazy. Yeah. No one has probably ever experienced anything like this. And then you hear it, you know, years later on a radio or podcast like Ground Zero in this example. And suddenly you're like, Eureka, I wasn't insane. Other people are experiencing this. This is a thing. That's got to be super cathartic, a relief. Reassuring. Yeah. A great show, Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis. You guys should definitely listen to that show if you haven't yet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. uh, What struck me was that when it really, I guess, became real to him in a sense, when it kind of like lumbered away, lumbered off, Uh but he had the sense that it knew it was watching it. Right. But it makes sense that like, as soon as this, whatever it is you're seeing that's giant and anomalous starts to move out in the darkness, then it's real. Then I'm not just seeing something with my eyes because I'm making some a shape with my right. you know vision. Now I see it walking. That's when the fear would strike. I feel like I just love the idea of this sassy dogman. In my mind, he's sassy. <laughs> he's sassy. just like chilling by the trees, hanging out, and then like he knows that that kid's watching him. He's just like walking around. And he's like he's fine with it. He's like you can watch me. It's like walking <laughs> off slowly. I like to be watched. A little bit, of, but that's the trickster end of it to me. There's this kind of weird, like not playful because it's terrifying, but there's this mischievous nature to it. He's not obviously he's not intimidating him in a physical manner where he's going to attack him. He's enjoying the power. But he knows that he's being watched and he's enjoying being watched and he's enjoying the person being confused and terrified by it. Yeah, he's feeding off that fear from a distance. It's like, I know that just by me being here is freaking this person out. Right. And I'm enjoying that. I'm going to just saunter off and feed casually from a distance. Suck it up. That's a fear slurp, ladies and gentlemen, if you've never heard (laughs) one before. (laughs) Yikes. From a distance, I'm slurping fear from you. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Great song. Well, should we take a break? Yes. Yes. Let's take a quick break, guys. But before we do, just to mention to you guys out there, if you guys have Gmail email addresses and have emailed us, or if you, even if you sign up for the expansion using a Gmail email address and you're not getting emails from us and you're not getting your RSS feeds to access the expansion or any issues you might be having, uh, it's because there's a problem our email address has been flagged by Gmail for some reason as spam. So we're working to correct it. Check your spam folders. Definitely try to get a hold of people recently re- just responding to people. And like, we just keep getting that mailer demon error. This has been flagged as spam. We won't let you send it. So we have reached out to people lately. Then we've gotten a lot of those back. So just wanted to mention that. Yeah. yeah. And even you, if you have a different email account, not, not Gmail, just check if you have written and haven't yeah, heard. We may be ending up in junk in I a think, lot of different yeah. places. Mm-hmm. Anytime you have a, we have our expansion membership, which you should sign up for if you haven't. But um, we send out emails to everyone on that email list. And sometimes that makes you a target for spam. Right. Even if you're just, if you're sending to your actual members. Just bulk emails. Yeah. yeah. So check it out. Yeah. Check that out, guys. But yeah, Chris, what's coming up for the expansion? Yes. For our members only episode in the expansion, get ready. If you are enjoying this episode, we are going to do a deeper dive with some interesting tailspins in different directions related to Dogman, Black Dogs in general. Uh, I want to get a little bit into some werewolf lore. Also, I really am excited to get back into a book we covered, Backwoods Magic, and talk a little bit about the Appalachian folk magic there and how that relates to some really dog-related magic in general. I don't want to give too much away. Dog magic. Dog magic. Um, But some really interesting stuff. Uh, Great book by Jake Richards. And more from the author we covered on the main feed last season, I believe. But uh, it's going to be really fascinating and a lot of fun. So Absolutely. Definitely check that out. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating and freaky 
as all heck. So join us into the expansion. Yeah. Become a member, sign up, you get full episodes. Yeah, tons of bonus episodes in there, 80 plus episodes of fully produced episodes. So guys, go sign up if you're not a member yet. Uh, and now enjoy this clip of this week's expansion episode. Access granted. It was just staring at me with its eyes fixated on me. And it lifted his hands, and with one claw, I remember that claw really well because it was just branded into my memory, that sound of the claw against the window. And it was not, you know, turned or around like that of a cat or a dog. It was more straight, but still it had, you know, a small curl to its end so it was like a rose thorn you can imagine just a very 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 big and very sharp and it just tapped against the window it just it was the most it, i cannot tell you how terrifying for me that was because you know such a movement is just that's human I do not know any animal who would tap against a window with one claw. Hi. Hello. <laughs> it's good to have you. Thank you. Thank you to be here. Oh boy, do we have some hair-raising tales coming up here. Let's just jump right into it with another story if you guys are ready. Sure. This is cool. I wanted to find if... One of my favorite things to do is go back into the archives of Art Bell and hear real call-ins from real people about strangeness that they've experienced, specifically related to different phenomena that we cover. In this case, I want to know, has anyone seen a werewolf? Because Art Bell was around the time with his coast-to-coast radio show. I think this actually was Midnight in the Desert. We have a clip from here. But she went to after coast-to-coast. Right. Pahrumpf. This was, yeah, shout-out to Pahrumpf, Nevada. Oh, we have a listener, by the way. Yeah, and Pahrumpf. Yeah, so shout-out to you, my friend. Since it's a very mysterious, cool area. But in looking for stories like this, you know, he didn't have a word for, there was no dogman term. I don't think, actually, there might have been, because this was during an episode he had Linda Godfrey on to talk about. And we'll link that episode in the show notes, guys. It's actually from Periscope, Arpel's Periscope channel. But the clip is really interesting because it's a woman who calls in and she witnesses something that her first her children witness, and then she's you know thinks there's nothing nothing to it, but then she witnesses something herself that very night. And Linda, yeah, as you said, Linda Godfrey is on this episode working with Art Bell in the interview. Yeah. So if you guys want to hear her response to this, you know, acclaimed author Linda Godfrey, genius on this on this topic, interviewed countless people on the subject. You want to hear her responses? We'll link this the full episode in the show notes where you can watch that. But Yeah, without further ado, let's go ahead and play Headlight Horror. All right, on the phone, uh, you're on the air with uh, Linda. Hi, Linda. Hi, Art. Hi. Um, I I just wanted to tell you guys this story. It happened about 25 years ago with my children. My children would cross the road and go up in this guy's driveway and play all the time. Well, one evening, they came running in the house. They said, Mom... We heard a werewolf. I thought, well, now they've heard this weird dog, you know. 
and I went back outside, and I could hear it, too. And it wasn't like a regular dog. It was very, very odd. Well, I didn't know what to think about it. And, you know, I was a typical housewife cooking and taking care of stuff. So I just went in the house, and uh, it was just when the sun was going down when this happened. And uh, I lived kind of in the woods area, but the, this guy had, like I say, a big, long concrete driveway that my kids would play on. Well, that evening, though, I want you to know, God will strike me dead, but it is the truth. Uh, we had a big picture window in the house, and that guy was a doctor that lived up on this hill, and he would come home late of the night. Well, I heard a strange sound, and I went to that picture window, and I looked out in my yard, and I could see the car lights of him coming up the road. And right there, I have never, I never, I always thought it was a joke. Werewolves were a joke. Mm -hmm. I saw this thing that had a huge back, and when it turned its head around, it had a snout at least a foot and a half long on it. Wow. It's its body was huge. I never, I have never seen anything like that. It scared me so bad. I ran in the back room and locked the door. Was this outside when the doctor was driving home? It was, or? It was just outside when he was coming in. This guy came in late at the evening because he was like an emergency room doctor. Mm -hmm. And he worked late. This was close to midnight, maybe around that time. But I never expected anything. I just thought, well, there he comes. But the way the car drove into where the lights came into my yard, see. And I did not see any hands or arms, but I did see it move its body. And it had huge shoulder. I've never seen anything like that in my life. And it had to be at least maybe six foot tall maybe but its back was so large when it turned its head now I want you to know I thought all that stuff was a joke and I never believed in anything like werewolves because I grew up I'm an older lady and I watched all those horror films years ago and I just mm -hmm. thought that type of stuff was a joke but when I saw that and that freaked me out so much like I say, I mean, yeah, well, that's that's where the jokes stop. When you actually have an experience yeah. like that, the jokes stop and you become exactly. different. Yeah. Thank you, Art. Key point: you become different. And you hear yeah. when she starts. So when I saw that, and you can hear her voice start mm -hmm. to break a little there. Twenty-five years later, just still, just, you see, I've seen things out in the woods where at nighttime, like what was that? Like you know, your mind plays tricks on you. But does there something to affect you that long? Right. You know, it's hard to say because she had just been a mistaken observer. Definitely possible. But for it to affect you that much and for that long, yeah. I mean, yeah. Who knows? Hearing someone tell their experience like that, first of all, for me, it's it's very hard to not believe at least that she's being very genuine that she saw something. And then it sounds like what she saw is what she saw, at least in the way that she had time to actually witness this thing. Right. Like she saw the width of its shoulders standing there, first of all. And she sees its head turn slowly, so she's seeing the snout. So, I mean, what else could it be? I don't know. It's a incredible story, for sure. Yeah. Incredible. All right, this next one I want to do, this is called Tracks of the Man Wolf. And this comes from Linda Godfrey's book, Real Wolfman. And we'll put that in the show notes. Great book. Fantastic book. Um, and this is really cool because the corroboration with this goes further beyond the initial witnesses to the mother of the witnesses and then to Linda herself. 
because she goes out four days after this occurs to investigate right. with the people who witnessed this. This takes place at the south edge of Milwaukee. Um, this is where the city begins to meet the neighboring town of Racine. Uh, there's a street there called Fitzsimmons. And I guess this is kind of like a local lover's lane, but also like a, she refers to it as a spook walk. You know, hmm. we used to do ghost walks as a kid. And the train tracks, haunted train, the ghost tracks. Right. So this like was legendary. It was a place where I think people allegedly leapt to their death, young lovers. So it was supposedly haunted. And that's what they were going for. They were going for the haunt. Right. Not expecting. Interesting that you get a, a nightmare feeder there. Right. That's a good point. Waiting in the wings. Waiting to feed off of people looking to be scared. Yeah, maybe. Interesting point, Chris. So this, uh, this road starts in the beginning of a neighborhood street, innocently enough. A group of five young people ranging from their teens to early 20s set off down Fitzsimmons Road the night of June 26, 2007, in hopes of seeing the alleged phantoms. Instead, they ran into something they never dreamed of encountering. And this was no phantom. It left tracks. Under a three-quarter moon, brothers Jonathan and Benjamin Hart, ages 25 and 18, along with three female friends, one 22 years old, the other two 18, began their mile-long walk without incident until they reached an area with some woods and vegetation to their north and a wheat field to their south. The five froze when a long, wailing howl emanated from the north side of the road. But then they all kept going. They were about halfway to their goal when the flashlight carried by John's friend flickered over a pair of big yellow, almond-shaped eyes that lit up in the bushes about 75 feet down the road. The two younger women immediately fled back to the safety of the streetlight-illuminated section. John, Ben, and their two 20-year-old friends stayed, curious to see what the animal might be. They found out when the flashlight showed a large, fur-covered dog-like creature that rose from a crouch to a standing position and began to move toward them on its hind legs. Because of the bright moon phase and the flashlight, they were able to see the creature very well before they turned around and began to run for their lives and screaming with the creature in hot pursuit as it ran upright on dog-like legs. Their brother's friend said it was covered in long, shaggy, tan fur with a darker clay brown and wolf-like face, and its posture was stooped or hunched. John stands over six feet tall and estimated the creature to be a little taller than himself. They could hear its footfalls pounding the pavement behind them, and although the humans had a good head start, the creature was catching up fast. They continued to hear growls and screams, but were not sure whether they were from the creature chasing them or from something else still in the field. John was the last in line and tried to push himself to run harder as he heard and smelled the beast gaining on him. It smelled like a dirty critter, he said. He felt the heat of the creature's body as it drew near enough to reach for him with its claws. John said the creature was close enough to make an uneven row of fine tears two groups of three in the back of John's collared, button-up polyester shirt. All five young people said they were sober and drug-free at that time. John's skin was not scratched, but he said he actually felt the creature's presence in that moment when he felt it touch his shirt. It gave him a chilled feeling and goosebumps, he said. 
about 25 feet from the first streetlight, just when the three were sure it was about to attack them. The creature turned and ran off to the north. The group continued hoofing it to the car and drove straight to the home of the two brothers, where they told their mother what had happened. She later told me that her son Ben was actually sobbing with fright. She agreed they were sober and believed they had an actual and very frightening experience. Boom. There it is again. There's the almost touch. The yeah, tease. it is weird. Exactly. That's like, what? I mean, how do you scare someone the most, right? I mean, get right up behind them. Like mm-hmm. you pretty much are on top of them. Tear their clothes, breathe on them. Just elicit as much fear to get that fear climax. It just reminded me of, I did that small town monsters movie, the Ruguru, how the Ruguru. Yeah. And it's the same story. This guy, like he was younger and he was like standing next to something called blood reeds. Uh-huh. Like a certain kind of like vegetation, vegetation, like tall, kind of grassy, you know, near a marsh. Yeah. And he saw the claw come out and part the, Ugh. and he was, it was another very similar kind of, you know, to the cherry bomb guy, just very like into it, very passionate about it. And fear, you could tell he was Reliving terrified it. of it and it just chased him forever, but it never fully caught him. But it, yeah. he, he felt it on his breathing on him and just like right behind him. There's wow. that pattern, man. Just huffing that fear. Yeah, dude. Fear huffers. What was that yeah. from? Curse of the Ruguru? Howl of the Ruguru. Howl of the Ruguru. I think it's called Skinwalker Howl of the Ruguru. Okay. Go check that out, guys, if you haven't seen it, Small Town Monsters. Yeah, they've got a couple. I know they just had their American Werewolf. I did the sound for it. Yeah, John did the sound for it. Also, by the way, you should check out Expedition Dogman from our friends Tony Merkel and Christian Roper. Oh, absolutely. Definitely check that out. Yeah, available on DVD and on Amazon. Yeah, it's an intimate look at an investigation. Check it out for sure. Definitely. Anyway, back to that story. Yeah, the uh, this is what I was talking about with the corroboration that was interesting. You heard at the end, the kids go back, or the kids, they're teens, young adults. Um, back when we used to do our ghost walks. And the one kid was crying. So it was sobbing, as she said, sobbing in fright, the mother said. So the mother reported this. The mother, they, they didn't want to talk about it to anybody. Of course, they told the mother what they'd seen. The mother tells their sister, and the sister goes on to contact Linda. That's how Linda hears about it. Linda comes four days later to the place to investigate. I love these follow-ups that she does. So it was that recent? Yeah, four days after. And what's interesting is she wanted them to take her back to where this happened. They Mm -hmm. had already been there, apparently, and they were were nervous to go back. I would be. Because apparently when they went, I don't know how many, a couple days later, they said that they, they believed that they could, quote, smell and hear the animal again. Wow. So was this trauma, like psychological, you know what I mean? Oh, right. Psychosomatic, mm-hmm. uh, going back there and PTSD. and smelling it again and hearing it, uh, you know. But anyways, that was before Linda got there. Then Linda had them take her there. And what's crazy is they found tracks. Oh, that's right. They found tracks in a field to the north of Fitzsimmons where this took place. Oh, this is interesting. And this is super weird. The tracks, eight inch wolf track. She sent it to the, I think the DNR and they basically said, he said, the guy that wrote back to him, we're like, this is definitely a wolf track or most likely a wolf track, but it's way too big. You know, it should be more than what, four and a half inches, five inches at the, the yeah. most. John, that's it in the show notes right there. This is a track that Linda took or a picture that Linda took of the track with the measuring tape. Yeah. Just four days later in the same area, eight and a half inches long. Next to this, it's normal. <laughs> next to this track was a, a deer hoof and a smaller Labrador track. Pop print. Yeah. You can tell the difference there on the right. There's only one of the tracks. Yeah, tra- there's a wolf track to the left down. And then no, the- I, I just wonder oh, yeah. if, was it like a lot of them? I don't or- know. I'm not sure. But this is the, the one photo she got. But the explanation this guy gave was, well, it's probably because it's so big. It's probably, you know, sometimes wolves will use their own, they'll walk on their own tracks. Like they'll follow their own track. 
their footfall will fall in the, the previous step. But her argument was like, this is, you know, obviously one, obviously one. Cause she said there was only one, there would be double claw marks. If you're stepping in the same track, there was only one claw, you know, single claw mark. It'd have to be the perf. Well, yeah, that doesn't yeah. make sense. And then she said, also, if you're charging an animal, there's a deer here, a deer track that, you know, that she was suggesting it was attacking. Would you be that careful to step in the same track during an attack? I don't know. Very interesting. We'll put the photo in the show. Definitely a cool picture. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. But anyways, again, this was in her book. The book of the show notes is a really great book to have if you guys are interested in this stuff. Real Wolfman. Link in the show notes. Believeful approved. Yeah, absolutely. Although I would expect it to be kind of bigger if it was a dog man. Well, eight and a half inches. Is it eight and a half? It looked like it was. It looks more like six and a half. Yeah. Seven, um, maybe seven. Seven. I guess the heel is not quite where the end of the ruler is. So yeah, maybe, think, maybe yeah. seven and a half. The, she said in the book it was eight and a half. I think that's what she said. Eight. I mean, it is mud. So again, it, yeah. it depends on how tall, but you know, you, you think these reports of six and a half, seven feet tall. Like, yeah. Oh, you got to think, well, they, they're on all fours sometimes too. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm imagining like a on fours, uh dogman creature, but it has like Bigfoot feet flopping around. <laughs> yeah. They're going to be like, they're going to be smaller, like wolf type. I would imagine. Oh well, yeah. Paw, they, clawed things. It doesn't just walk all the time. Right. Right, right. Right. It goes, it goes back and forth. Yeah. But so the paw is always sm- way smaller than like a Bigfoot foot. Oh yeah, for, for sure. the relative height. A Bigfoot foot. And then they have the, the hawk, you know, as it goes back. Yeah. I don't know. We tried to talk about doggy legs before and everyone, everyone got mad because we're like, they're not backwards legs. They're hawks. I think John said dogs like, don't dogs have knees have or something. Knees. No, my <laughs> dog does have knees. <laughs> They're doggy knees. <laughs> that was from episode nine. It wasn't their first uh, dog man episode. So long ago now we were, but children. That was a very off the cuff episode. It was good though. Worth, worth listening to yeah. guys. It was deep research though in that episode. Yeah. And good sound design. Go watch. Go listen. Link in the show notes. Be a doll. Be a doll and check it out. Okay. So there's only one, there's some more stories I want to do. We're going to have to do them in the expansion because we're running out of time. Yeah just to make this manageable to get it out to you guys on time. But um, one more story that I, I, that I like, this is a short, short little guy. Yeah, this is cool. This is just something I think we could all relate to it. I called it outside my apartment window. And this happened again in Michigan in Saginaw County, 2009. This also comes from the North American dog Man project database. I was arriving home to my apartment at 1145 when I felt a presence by the wood line. I saw something looking at me. And then finally, I saw these two eyes. It seemed like it was stalking me. I could only see eyes and the shape of its head. I really couldn't see its body, but instantly I felt fear and went inside my apartment. When I went inside, I started looking through the blinds just a little bit. I didn't want to move the blinds that much because I knew he knew where I was, so I didn't want to move the window blinds. Then I saw it heading my way. The beast looked like a bodybuilder, with a wolf or dog-like head. Because of its silhouette, this thing must have been seven to eight feet tall. It stopped, just for a second, right in front of my window. Then it left. I've never feared for my life like I did that night. Creepy. Yeah. Always muscular. They're strong. My dog is pure muscle. That's true. He doesn't work out at all. Not when you're watching. Dogs are by nature very lean, lean animals. Mm-hmm. Not like bears. And that's one difference too. They don't too. eat McDonald's and stuff. Yeah. Well, some, some dogs I'm sure have not great owners. They're sleek. That's another thing here. You hear in these reports, people are like, well, you misidentified a bear. Bears are pretty identifiable, especially if you're someone who's used to the wilderness and have seen bears. They're bulky, especially their torsos. They don't have lean torsos. A lot of these descriptions, they kind of right. thin out near the waist. Which, yeah. Bears, def- unless it's like a, an emaciated, starving bear. Right. And even then, even they're then, still- much bigger, yeah, like thicker. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And obviously the faces are different. I mean, there's a lot of ways to, to distinguish a bear. I feel mm-hmm. like from a, from a werewolf. Dogmen are real. Just accept it. <laughs> Just accept it, guys. Come on. Get in the groove. <laughs> Get in the groove. <laughs> that song just popped in my head. <laughs> Get into the, is that Madonna? Get in the groove, everybody. Uh, yeah. Creepy stuff. I mean, I, again, this episode was interesting to me because it, it was again, a focus on the, not just the fear and the nightmare feeding, but the pattern. Yeah. Those patterns of getting close. The tease. But getting no cigar. Exactly. And we've talked about that before, that feeling of like when you're going to frighten someone, it almost feels like there's, I can just imagine something above you just feeding on your excitement mm-hmm. of the fear or you're about to scare. Imagine, imagine there's just uh, invisible entities surrounding uh, haunted house attractions at Halloween. Mm-hmm. There's just clouds of these entities just undulating, going scarce <laughs> just feeding off of all the people who are screaming and running from the chainsaw clowns. They're the know? scare slugs. Yes. We've talked about the love slugs. These are the scare slugs. That's right. They just suck on your, suckle on your brain. Well, it's not over yet, guys. Join us in the expansion for the members only episode where we're going to go deeper and harder into this topic and longer. Faster, stronger, better. More productive. Yes. Better. I can't even do it anymore. More <laughs> so long. Better, faster, stronger, more productive, healthier, fitter. Okay. Time to go. <laughs> okay, computer. All right, guys. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, before we go, we have some very special people to thank. Sign up at that special level to get your names read on the air. Yes. You guys really do keep us going. This is how we will keep the show moving forward in the future and be here in the future for you to survive. So without further ado, thank you to Donovan Montoya. Welcome. Hi, Donovan. Come on down to the show. Uh, I lost my space already. Jacob Brashear. Violet. Yes. Fun. I don't Violet. know. <laughs> sure. It's like you shear something Oh, shear, yeah. Okay. okay. Keep going. It's been a while. I need, I need to take a dump. <laughs> Clever troll, sir. <laughs> I read that before the show because I literally didn't, didn't. I was like, I should we read this? He didn't talk it over. Less explanation, more talk. And then I read it out loud. Well, it was, it was funny. It wasn't funny or live. Joshua Moore, welcome to the show. More beliefful for Joshua. And more Joshua for us. Yes. Chuck Ellison is here, guys. Right. I know that guy. I know him too. Good fella. Chuck. That was a blast from the past. Good to have you in the hole, friend. I don't know if I've ever met Chuck in person. Really? I went to a concert with him, Death Cab, years ago. I mean, I know who he is, but... Great memories. Thank you for being in the hole. Thank you for your support. Uh, Taj Wakefield, or Taj Wakefield is here. Ooh. A Dogman Whisperer. Arr. Yes, Josh Moore was also a Dogman Whisperer, so should have said extra extra wolf sound for you, <laughs> sir. Uh, Morris West, another Dogman Whisperer. All Come right. on down. Go West, young sir. <laughs> Into the hole. That's where it is. <laughs> they could be here. Nick Uber is here. Don't take a lift. Yes. Take an Uber with Nick. I'm uber excited for him. There you go. Jacob West. Another West. Jacob West, maybe a brother. Another perhaps. one? Yes. Head West, young man. Go into the hole. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the West. That's original. <laughs> uh, Joseph Verga is here. Yes. Ooh, hello. Vergensphere. A shadow person of interest. <gasps> that is, my friend, a very generous tear. Yes. And we thank you so much. Love you, Joseph. You are my star sign. There you go. <laughs> but yes, thank you for being a shadow person. That's an extra special love in our heart for you. You're deep in the hole. Matthew Jennings is here. Welcome to the hole, Matthew. All right. Classic last name. Are you a scientist? Robert yes. Jennings. <laughs> Jennings, do you have the report? Dr. Jennings, please report to duty. <laughs> <laughs> That's how they call doctors in, right? <laughs> Dr. Jennings. Aaron Lowe. Welcome Ooh. to the show. Get low. I always the feel hole. high when I'm with Aaron Lowe. Awesome. Keep, keeps me up. 
Odin Austin. Keeps me up. <laughs> He's late at night. I don't know. Well, that was a giggle boy right I'm there. I'm sorry. That was a that giggle boy. That was a giggle boy. Genuine. Don't ever make that sound again. I will I will slap you. Odin Osset, welcome to the show, my Good friend. Odin. Welcome. God among gods. To you and your raven, welcome, sir. Robin Hastings. Hi. Hey, make haste into the hole. Yes. I've got to figure out. In the way. Everyone is going into the hole. <laughs> That's what they do. They're, they're going hastily the to the they're, west. They're going into the hole deeper. I get it. That's the storyline for the thank yous. Why can't they do that? Garrett, don't hold on to your horse. Get on that horse and ride into the hole. Garrett Horseholder. Shut up. Wow, that was oh, awesome. You know, it's Householder. <laughs> that was close. It's a misread. How do you hold the whole house in your hand? Ah. That's a good question. I want to be a householder. I want to be a house owner. That's what I mean. Yes. I want to hold it in my hand yes. of ownership. Thank you, Garrett, for being here. Susan Turpy is here. Welcome, Ooh, Susan. Yes. 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 Come on down. We love you. To the whole welcome to be here. Jessica Hardy. Hi, the hair have you here. Welcome. Excuse me? <laughs> Welcome to have you. Happen Welcome to have you. <laughs> me and my voice. My mouth, brain. <laughs> Jessica Hardy. It was a hearty decision to join and we appreciate it. Yes. Guys, watch out. There's a dogman at the door. Appropriate for this episode. And that dogman's name is Jimmy Jam. Yay! Right. Jam it up. Cody Alford, welcome, hi. Hello, Alfred, Cody. Yes. Good to have you. And you put in the code and you've entered the hole. Yes. Jimmy Ash. Ooh, burn it up. Burn your passion in the hole. I had a better thing for that. Burn it up, baby. <laughs> Thank you, Jimmy, for being here. Uh, ooh, another Dogman Whisper. Tony Hawthorne. Sounds like an author. Maybe a poet, perhaps. Mm. Welcome to be here, Tony. Welcome, Tony. We love you. Another yes. Dogman Whisper. Monica Wiley. She's Wiley. She is a wily one. Pretty funny. <laughs> what? <laughs> There's a coyote reference in there somewhere. Anyways, thank you so much, Wiley. Or Monica is your first name. Hi, thank you for being here. Dogman, whisper. Okay, yes. Jamie Banks, welcome to the show. Jamie Banks needs those banks. Welcome in. Jamie Banks, not Banks. Banks. <laughs> I went to a school with Jamie Banks. Did you? But I, yes. I'm pretty sure she got married, so it's probably not the same person. Unless she kept her last name. Maybe the guy took the last name. Non-conventional. Um, Bobby Knobloch. No block or yes. no, no block. That sounds much more correct. Yes. Why do I know that name? Bobby No Block. Maybe know his name. I think we might have read him before. Maybe, do we block him? And now, so he's putting his last name in as "Do Not Block Me." It's spelled with a K. No block. I like it. Welcome in, Bobby. We love you. Welcome, Bobby. Thank you to be here. And we're gonna wrap this thank you session up with two Dogman whispers to bring us to to, to play us out because this is a Dogman episode. Justin Stad or Stastad. 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 Welcome in. Welcome, Dogman Whisperer. You need no leash, sir. <laughs> Roam on your own. He is off the leash. He's off the leash and he's running in a pack with Tim Caswell. Ooh, welcome to be here, Tim. Final Dogman. Final name, John. Tim Caswell. Hi, Tim. Yes. Hi, indeed. <laughs> welcome to have you, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Yes. Thank you so much for keeping us alive in the hole. Striking out forward into the night. Indeed. All right, guys, thank you guys so much again. And uh, thank you again for leaving reviews. That really does help us grow. Yes. And we see them. So thank you. Review, comment, like, and subscribe. Check us out on YouTube. Every time we drop an episode, we premiere. Tell a friend. On YouTube, Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Yes. We'll see you next time. Until then, we'll see you in the expansion. All right, we'll see you next time. On Believeful. your window, tap, tap, tapping on the glass, oh yeah. oh yeah, got a shadow person in your bedroom, better get the hell out fast.
was he just in my hand? I got my best friend on the landline Saying, hey man, I think I'm dead